You're listening to the Side Hustle Gal podcast with your hosts, Danny Fountain and Caitlin Allen. Hello, and welcome back to the Side Hustle Gal podcast. Today, we are here with Jessica Zwig, who is one of the top digital marketers to watch in 2017 and the founder and CEO of the Simply Be Agency, a personal branding firm based here in Chicago. Jessica, thank you so much for being on. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a total honor to be with you, ladies. I'm so excited. You're like so famous. <laughs> you guys are so sweet and ridiculous. Uh, but that's, you know, I just, it's so funny. People have, I started my career on social media before social media was social media. I mean, when Cheeky, my first business launch was in 2008, before Instagram, like Twitter just exploded, Facebook had just moved beyond colleges. And so I've always just been on social media since the rise of social media. And, uh, you know, I built a, I guess, a decently large platform with it. And people have just reflected to me my whole career. Like, it's so, it's so nice to meet you. You're so nice. You're so normal. I get that. (laughs) I'm like, why wouldn't I be nice? Like, what would, what would I not be normal? So it's funny that you say that. Oh my gosh, that's perfect then, because now I'm going to ask you normal people questions. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> For a so, change. Just kidding. We love asking about embarrassing moments. We've heard some really funny ones so far. So could you tell us your most embarrassing middle school moment? Oh my God, I think my entire middle school experience <laughs> like let's just be real I think seventh grade was effectively the worst year of my life to date no joke seventh grade I was brutally tortured and bullied actually growing up yeah that's a a lot of I think a lot of people we've all experienced it but I was definitely awkward gawky from an age nine to about 21. I'm not even exaggerating. I, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. I had bad, bad, bad skin. I bad hair. I it was awkward in my body. It just didn't know how to dress. I didn't really, I was never a cool girl, never fit in with the popular crowd. I was sort of this eccentric nomad when from group to group. And so high school, middle school, uh, most embarrassing moment. Okay. So I had frizzy, frizzy hair and everyone would make fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was like made fun of ruthlessly for my hair, which I still have a complex about my hair, which is a whole other episode, but I, I had frizzy curly hair and one day I had this really mean guy. His name was uh, Ryan something. And he was really, he was the worst. And he came to school one day wearing a big blonde frizzy wig in my middle and the entire class, like my hundreds of kids, like saw him come up to me and like mock me with this wig on. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and I like had to leave school that day. I was so, so, I was so shaken. It was horrible. So I mean, embarrassing, like by not my own fault, but like something else that happened to me, I think, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of that growing up throughout middle school and high school. Yeah, it's a real part of my story, the bullying. Wow, so you are now. Yes, girl. <laughs> I know, I'm like, now you're like this popular girl that we all are friends with, right? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that called like karma or I mean, it's, awesome. it's really, it's really true. And like, I feel that people um, based on cheeky and fear paradox, which I know we're going to talk all about, you know, I feel that I've somewhat consciously and subconsciously always strived professionally to create community and opportunity for women to be kind to each other because yeah, the boys made fun of me, but the girls were worse. Like mean girls were, were worse. And so 
I've really think been in direct reaction, uh, like I said, sort of subconsciously my whole adult life to sort of fix what I didn't get growing up. And yeah, I mean, when I went to my 10 year high school reunion, I was like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. That's perfect. That's perfect karma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of probably say they have entrepreneur crushes and celebrity crushes. So who would you say is your entrepreneur crush? And then second, who is your celebrity crush? That's such a good question. Um, you know, honestly, my entrepreneurial crush is one of my best friends. Um, I, my girl, Katie Lynch, she's a big uh, founder and entrepreneur in Chicago. She's founded Codeverse. Um, she's blonde, bubbly, like we're like spirit sisters, but I really do admire her and I really look up to her. Um, and I relate to her a lot because I think a lot of people miss miss uh like there's misperceptions around her like people make judgments around her the way i think they do it in me and i just see her shine so bright so unapologetically she's so eloquent she's really in her sweet spot in her zone when it comes to the trifecta of her of her founders for her for her brand um i really admire what they're doing it's very strategic she's the face um, and her partners are the, you know, the tech and the operations, and she's really running the side of the, the marketing and it's working. And I just, I really look up to her because um, she's, she sold a, she sold her first business and she's really maintained her positive reputation despite like all of the twists and turns she's taken, which we all do. And so I really, I really love Katie. I think she, um, she has a very admirable career. And then celebrity crush, um, <laughs> I, gosh, who don't I have a crush on? Um, I, I would say I love, um, well, I guess this is more of celebrity and entrepreneurial crush. I think if I were to emulate like anyone's career, it would be Danielle Laporte. Um, yes. She's like, she's a celebrity, but she's also an entrepreneur. So I think everything she's created from business standpoint is what I want to do. First of all, secondly, I just think she's cool. Like, I think she's like the coolest freaking chick ever. And I would love to, you know, have a drink with her, like hang out with her, talk about crystals and shamans with her. Like she's so my, so my vibe. So yeah, that, those would be my two. That's awesome. So well, so that like translates into your business. So I guess the last question I have for you is what, interpersonal challenges do you have in your business? You know, I think we all, we all struggle feeling like we're there, there yet. Like what is even there? Um, and I think, you know, I'm pretty, pretty proud of the career I've developed and, and where I've come in, especially in this last year alone with Simply Be. But there's just so much that I want to be doing that I feel like I'm not like spending enough time doing and I get a ton, a ton of anxiety and a ton of FOMO, like really kind of cross comparing across my industry, like, and not in a negative way. Cause I think there's enough to go around. And I firmly believe that someone else's success doesn't take away from mine. Um, if anything, we have to strive to be more generous with what we know and to support each other. And I, I only surround myself with people like that and admire people like that. But you know, I have a lot of ambition for my company and there's a lot of um, opportunities that I get or that I have that I sometimes feel I'm not taking full advantage of. Sometimes I feel like I'm spread so thin that I'm only going so shallow instead of going narrow and deep in certain areas because I, 
I just have so much going on. And so that, that really is a, is a real struggle for me. I wake up every day and my head kind of starts spinning the second I get to my desk, you know? And I feel that so deeply. That was awesome to hear. Yeah. And other people feel that way too. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they do. So let's take it back to the beginning and talk about, you know, college, what you did post-college and how the idea for Cheeky came about. Yeah. How did you dip your toe into this entrepreneurial world? So I went to school for theater, actually. So I'm an artist. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, very, very good at being dramatic and still am. I got a degree in acting. Like I didn't get like a general theater degree. I had a BFA in acting. I went to a conservatory program. It was a very intense. My graduating class was seven people. And so when I came out of that school, I was like trained to be an actor. And they always taught us like, it's not just about the artistry, but it's about the business and the professionalism. And if you're not 10 minutes early to rehearsal, you're late. Like there were just, you know, a a layer of like professionalism and preparation for business that I was getting that I didn't even realize. So anyway, I went off to be an actress when I graduated college. I did that for five years. I did theater. I got an agent. I did commercials. I did, um, you know, a couple films. I did voiceovers. I still do voiceovers. I just really immersed myself as a working actress got a ton of work. I was pretty decent, I guess, at it and uh, waitressed and came, you know, nannied and temp jobbed and did all those little things that artists do. And um, to be honest, like I loved it. I loved acting, but I was also felt very limited by acting. Um, I was also very insecure at the time and, you know, I still am, but even then back in my early twenties, being a young girl entering the industry. It was all about what I looked like. And I got really consumed with that. I got, I had very unhealthy eating habits. I lost way too much weight at one point, didn't get my period for a year. I was a super, super unhealthy and super obsessed with body image. And, um, and so there was sort of like that, but it was also like, I knew I could do other things. And, and it's so funny. You get asked sort of what if you could remember back to your childhood, what was, what were the things that really inspired you when you were little? And I remember that when I was little, my dad, my mom subscribed to Tribune and Sun-Times, and I always would sit at the kitchen table in the morning with my dad, and he would read all the other sections, and the only thing I ever wanted to read was the lifestyle section. Like, I wanted to learn about restaurants and the parties and, like, the, the events going on in the city. I just loved that world. And so all that aside, I was working a temp job. I'd been five, five, six years out of school at this point. And I met my, my partner at the time in Cheeky there. And we just became very fast friends and started going out, experiencing Chicago together, trying restaurants, you know, going to parties. And one day we were just like, we should start a food blog about our journeys because we were so obsessed with restaurants. Like I joke that Cheeky was founded on my passion for food because that's really true. <laughs> and, um, and how much I love to eat. And Anyway, we kind of had this light bulb moment. It was like, well, why would we stop at food? We love all things about this city. We love the, fe- the, the shopping and we love the nightlife and we love the arts and we love fitness and we love being girls and we're single and like, let's, we should talk about dating and we should talk about weddings and whatever. And then Cheeky was born and I never looked back. Like I quit acting. I was so like, I just knew that it was, I felt, I'd never felt a calling like that in my life. And everyone, you know, in my life looked at me like I was nuts, like, I came home one day, I'm like, I'm going to start a website and it's going to be the biggest thing for Chicago girls. And they were like, what the heck is wrong with you? You don't know anything about websites or like <laughs> running a business. And um, it was so true. It was like 2008. Yeah, 
anyway, and that was, that was sort of the impetus for Cheeky. And so, um, and then Cheeky was born and I can tell you all about how that, how that got off the ground. But, you know, I think, I think a lot, like a lot of young people right out of school, I really, I really didn't know what I wanted to, I mean, I, I was an actress, but I, I didn't want to like wait tables forever, but I didn't know where it was going to go. And mm. Cheeky was kind of divine. I mean, it wasn't kind of it. It was, that's why I'm probably sitting here talking to you guys today. So let's talk about Cheeky a little bit. Now, if I remember correctly from the stats that I've read, at the height of Cheeky, you were getting 100,000 monthly viewers. You were doing crazy, incredible things. So it really became bigger than this blog built on your passion for food. And you were doing a lot of influencer work too. Talk to us about that. So it's so funny. I mean, I look at Instagram, the whole world of Instagram, and I was sort of like, you know, I sort of like to say Cheeky was like the original like influencer platform. We were the original food blog or fashion blog because we talked about all those things. And you know, we, we really came from such a passionate place. I mean, people ask me entrepreneurial advice all the time and I can tell you how to write a business plan or, you know, pro forma and how to write a media kit, like, and create, you know, create a strategy, blah, blah, blah. But it's really about really like being it and living it and like having a fire inside of you that is contagious to other people and knowing, you know, but more than anyone else, this is going to work. And, and so it, Cheeky caught on like wildfire, you're right. Like there was a point in time about 18 months in where everyone seemed to know Cheeky. And I was like, whoa, this is not, this is bigger than me sitting in my apartment writing blogs. And brands started to approach us. And so we uh, had a miracle experience. Actually, I'll share the story real quick. So we, we weren't even live yet. We were building the site and um, we'd, we'd gone to New York to do, do a networking kind of tour. We went and met with... Edelman and the founder of Daily Candy at the time. It was just this insane trip. And we came back and I was on fire sitting, uh, actually standing in an elevator at Whole Foods. Okay. I was in like, there's a parking lot underground and I was going up to the top in this elevator. And I was there with um, my boyfriend at the time. And I, and I ran into a girl that I worked with at my side job. And she was like, Hey, Jessica, you just came back from New York. Aren't you starting this magazine? Like, how was your trip? And I just was like going on and on and on and on about how amazing the trip was and how excited I am about cheekychicago.com, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the elevator, there was a fourth person in the elevator that I didn't even notice corner, <laughs> who happened to be the director of marketing for Miller Coors Beer. Shoot. She sent me an email the next day. We had like nothing. We had Cheeky Chicago landing a splash page with our emails. And she was like, hello, Miss Swigan. You know, th this is, my name is, you know, so-and-so from Miller Coors. And I've heard about the upcoming launch of your work. We had no idea where she, this was coming from. She revealed this to us later. Long story short, they ended up investing like a $100,000 sponsorship cash, like in Cheeky, the first year we were, we were in business. And so we got really lucky, but I mean, fate, luck, opportunity, hard work, right. It's all, it's all con con convenes. But I, um, I think that because we had big brands to begin with, um, it was, it attracted other brands and it validated us to other brands. Mm -hmm. And we just, in the course of six and a half years, we worked with, uh, I, I counted like over a hundred major brands as clients and partners throughout the That's 10 amazing. Years. Yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing experience for me because I led most of the sales and marketing. You know, we launched the business. We were like kids, you know, and my partner was like, I like to write. So I'll do editorial. And I was like, I like people. So I'll do sales and like, and like marketing. And 
because by virtue of that, I got to work really closely with all of our clients, like at the, at the, you know, like the impetus of, of these campaigns and, um, and get inside the DNA of how like brands think about storytelling and, and content marketing. And I just really found my passion. Like I thought acting and writing was my passion, but really like marketing is my passion because it's art too, you know? So then Cheeky kind of ran its course and Simply Be Agency 1.0 was born. What did that flip look like for you? Well, it's a very long story, but I'll try and make it short. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've told this story a lot. So if you have any re- listeners who've heard me talk, you know, in this kind of platform, they might have heard the story before. But in about five and a half years into Cheeky, um, you know, we were first time entrepreneurs. It was, we had a big operation. We had, we were managing people for the first time. We had investors we were accountable to. It was just like a ton, a ton of pressure and stress. And as you know, businesses are, and I I started getting very, very sick. I started getting chronic sinus infections and I had um, nine infections in the course of one year, which if anyone listening or you know about sinus infections, they are by far and away, in my opinion, the worst thing you can, you can have. They're worse than like the flu. They're just they demobilize you, you're a prisoner inside your own head for like four weeks. They don't go away. It's, it's also just an incredibly emotional experience for me because I've had so many. Anyway, I ended up having to have surgery on my sinuses because they couldn't clear. And that's why I, was, I kept getting sick. And it was during the recovery of that surgery when I was like bedridden for, you know, six weeks. And I had to sit with myself and get super still for the first time in like 10 years, literally, that all of this like noise and like, 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 vo- like voice, like in my inner voice, like started speaking to me, you know, I definitely built up a persona of myself, like being cheeky Jessica. And I got really addicted to that. And there was a lot of ego wrapped up into that. And I just like, could not see it. And I realized like, maybe I don't want to be planning parties and fashion shows and hosting, you know, wine, like till I'm 50. Like, what do I want to do if I don't do cheeky? And it just became sort of very abundantly clear that I wanted to, to do something beyond it. And so I have a little tattoo on my wrist. I don't know, you know, if you can see it, but it's, it says simply be. And I was, I kind of had a full on, I didn't kind of, I had a full on emotional breakdown during that recovery and um, looked down at my wrist. I was crying. I was like meditating, whatever. And I looked down on my wrist. I had this since my early twenties. And I said, no matter what it is that I do post cheeky, I'm going to call it simply be, I don't know what it, what it's going to be, but that's what I'm going to call it because this represents being authentic and being right who you are, right where you are. And that is, that is your power, right? And so, so that's where the, the impetus came. And I had, I had started um, getting approached by brands separately. Like while I was running Cheeky, I got approached by Starcom, the agency that represented um, at the time Skinny Girl Cocktails. And they were looking for a social media Um, community manager and strategist to develop the brand voice of the cocktail brand apart from Bethany. Mm -hmm. Um, And they reached out to me, they found me on Twitter and they were like, we want to bring you in to do this. And at the time I was like, really, really flattered, but I was like, I have a full-time business. I don't know if you noticed, I run Cheeky Chicago. They were like, we know, we don't care. We want to put you on a contract. We just would love for you to be involved in some way. So that was essentially my first sort of stab at consulting for brands. And Mm -hmm. I became obsessed (laughs) <laughs> and, so, um, and so I um, basically decided through virtue of simply being this, you know, thought that I was going to just do branding, marketing, consulting when I left Cheeky, which I did, which was simply be 1.0. So let's talk about that. You made this shift 
from being an artist, being an actor, to building this community, which was kind of an answer to what you experienced in middle school and high school in a roundabout way, mm-hmm. to then leveraging that experience unintentionally into an agency style model. What mistakes do you think you made on that path? Because up till now, it's all sounded very serendipitous and beautiful, but we all know that that's not the way this works. Oh, <laughs> um, um, I, how, what mistakes did I not make? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a very challenging partnership um, with Chiki. I think that I probably, we, we made it work and we had a sisterhood and, you know, I, I look back on that relationship with so much love and light and forgiveness and grace for both of us. But I, you know, learned that you shouldn't really go into business with someone you don't know that well, right? It posed a seven years worth of challenges. I, I had an uprising inside of my company, my entire staff, like I learned once half of them left and I was, I retrieved their emails that they like hated me. They, they just had no respect for me. I did not manage them well. I wanted to be their friend and I was their boss. And when I flipped back and forth, they, they, they had, they have no respect for me. Um, that was heartbreaking and devastating. Um, when I left Shiki to start Simply Be, I had no business plan. I just was like taking work because I was in a ton of scarcity and I wanted to prove that I could, you know, succeed beyond Shiki to, you know, lots of different people, let alone myself. Um, you know, I have a tendency to make decisions in haste, just in general. It's like kind of my personality. I'm very impulsive. <laughs> um, don't always think things through to the very end. Um, and so I've, you know, I've obviously had to compensate for that by hiring business coaches and putting mentors around me and doing the work because, you know, I'm, I'm a very flawed entrepreneur. I know where I'm, where I'm great, but I also know where I'm weak. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a big heart and I'm a super softy and that's a gift. But at the same time, it's like I trust everyone and I think everyone's, you know, got my best interest at heart and they don't. And I've learned that the hard way. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, those are just a couple examples of mistakes that I've made. Couple. I love that you admit that you have flaws. Like, I realize that a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to admit where they're not good at. And I love, I love that you just said that because it, it's so relatable. Everybody can say that, but yeah, saying it out loud when you own a huge business. Uh, yeah. Well, I think like, obviously I do a lot of personal branding work for my clients and, and I, and for myself. And I, I really believe in the power of vulnerability. Like authenticity is sort of this overused buzzword at this point, but I think, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, well, come on, but Everyone wants to be, you know, AF, authentic as fuck, right? But this is, can I say that? Sorry, I don't know. If I oh, yeah. No, you're okay, good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think really where, like, the rubber meets the road is how, how vulnerable you're willing to get. Like, just to give you a, a small example, I was listening to um, Lewis Howe's podcast this morning. And, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of the big ones, like, here and there because I kind of think after a certain point, I just – I he's not like my favorite for this. Cause I think that he's, he's just really like polished and inspirational and always perfect and motivating and, you know, successful, but like, you know, real, like whatever. And, <laughs> and then, um, you know, so I kind of have this like meh, you know, about him, but I, I, I definitely respect someone like Lewis house. I, I look up to him and his business in that, in that regard. But then today, this morning I was listening to his podcast cause he was interviewing Benet Brown. 
who's yeah. like vulnerability and shame like guru. And he, in this, in this dialogue with her, um, admitted so many things about his past and about his, his upbringing and his struggles and his like insecurities. And I love him now. Like, I'm like, gosh, I wish I, I, I had never caught that about him, you know, months before when I'm listening to his podcast here and there. That's what I'm saying. The power of vulnerability takes, takes a consumer to a true evangelist for you mm-hmm. when you're really willing. And I'm not doing this to create evangelism, just saying. It's just who I am. It's my personality. But I think that there's, there should be more of it because when we – share our, our, our darknesses and we share our imperfections. We give other people the permission to do the same for themselves. And we need more people showing up like free and fully expressed. Yeah. That's what we need. So, so thank you for saying that because I, 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 I strive to do that. So all of this good and bad has brought us to simply be 2.0. How has that come about? Like what's the, What's yeah. the thought process? Obviously, you switched to personal branding because you're so dang good at it. Um, but what's the plan? <laughs> the plan, Dan. So um, I, you know, pivoted ag- the agency 2.0 to, to personal branding agency because I saw the power. Well, one, I saw the power of personal branding for myself. But two, I also was like, I don't think the world needs another marketing and branding consultant. Like you can shake a stick and hit one in any city. Like there's just (laughs) nothing disruptive or interesting to me about that. So it's good money and it's easy and I like it, but like, let's really start to trailblaze and create a different mindset around, around authenticity and vulnerability. I don't think the world needs more gadgets and widgets and startups and logos. We need more people, like I said, showing up as themselves. And so personal branding as a space, you know, if you're doing it right, is really where you, you know, where that becomes possible for anyone. And so, um, so yeah, so I pivoted the agency to, to personal branding in 2016 and it's taken off. I have, I have a full roster of clients. They're all amazing. They're all ideal. Um, but the agency is, you know, the agency is one piece of what I do or what I ultimately want to do. Right. So I incorporated Jessica's Wag. I'm launching jessicaswag.com all circle into personal branding. And that's kind of what I want to be uh, known for as far as um, my, my, my brand. But I do workshops. Um, I've hosted a couple of major workshops for, for, big, for big companies. Um, I ultimately want to do retreats for, for women specifically on personal development growth as well as business. Um, I have the fear paradox going on, which we'll talk about. I have a big ambition to do digital courses to build more of my own personal online audience. And so the agency is part of the entity that I really hope to build. And and it's core. I really want to create value for people, um, not just my clients. You know, I, I get blown up all the time on social, like, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to hire you. But, you know, for what I charge at, at an hourly or retainer rate, not, not everyone can afford that. And I respect that. Of, of course I do. So I want to make my content valuable and accessible to, to more people. And so um, through that, that will obviously come through courses, but I want to blog more. Danny, we talked about this. I really want to start blogging again from my heart and not just about business because that's what I've done for the last year and really share what's real for, for me, because again, I think more people need to be talking about certain things that they're not. And so I want to be able to turn my platform into, into more, more of that. And, um, 
speaking is a big is a big objective. So lots of different revenue streams, if you will, that uh, feed into sort of this business. I really, like I said, look to Danielle Laporte and what she's created and just how she has built basically a, a brand and a, an enterprise around her name and everything that she touches. And I, I really, and she's doing good in the world. Like that's the yes. biggest caveat there. Like she's, she's, she's in full service and that's what's so incredible about like I don't want to have this huge platform for being famous that's so gross and people who want to hire me to be their personal branding agent if they want to be famous I won't like I'm not your girl don't hire me but if you're in the right mindset of this is this is more of an opportunity to help and touch and impact more people the bigger I get for the sake of that then you're in the right lane and that's that's where I like to think I am that's so on point. I have a new business crush right now. What is this? <laughs> so let's take so one boring. final pivot towards the fear paradox. But before we get there, I want to know, on a scale of one to 10, how weird do you think you are and why? I would say nine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, maybe nine and a half. Um, how weird. I mean, I, I, if you just like came to see my office, like I'm, I'm just a huge spirituality, not like nerd, like if it, like I believe in it, like, like witches, angels, like the unseen. I, I think that, you know, I, I crystal healing, like essential oils, chakra healing. Like I've died I dabble in it all. It's a big part of my lifestyle and my life. I'm hugely, hugely spiritual, but I'm not in the traditional sense. I journal a lot. I have my intuition sometimes journal for me. Like I let like, you know, that take over. I probably cry like at least twice a day. I'm just really, really hypersensitive and super emotional. I cry at like the weirdest stuff. I also <laughs> cry at like normal things, but I cry at like basically everything. I think I was, I just, I was flying home from Morocco and I was like watching some movie on the plane. It was like, I don't know it was, it was the most ridiculous thing. I, I remember like laughing at myself that I was crying so hard about this <laughs> movie. And, um, you know, I have like another language and a voice that I speak to my dogs in that like, it would terrify the average person. I like, I sound like a demonic, crazy person. Um, I, I really am an introvert. Like I love to be alone. Like there's no one else I'd kind of rather be with than myself. I like just love to be alone. And, um, really get rest restoration from that. But I, I am a big, big introvert. I like crave solitude. I eat really weird food. I take turkey bologna <laughs> and I cut up like cheese strips and then I put hummus on it and then I put mustard on it and I roll it up and I eat like seven or eight of them at a time. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm weird. I mean, I, I like to, I think, I think anyone who's not weird is boring. So I hope I'm weird. So thinking about all of this, realness, vulnerability, being centered and okay in your weirdness, let's pivot to the fear paradox. So for anyone who hasn't heard of it, who's listening, which, hello, this is my podcast, y'all better have heard of it. The fear paradox was a three-day summit focused on fear, finding your fear, feeling centered and okay in acknowledging your fear verbally and outside of yourself. And Jessica was one of the co-founders of that. So talk to us about this first year and what's next for that. 
So we, so I have partners, Nicole Yeary, she's a founder of Ms. Tech and you know, she's built this really incredible community with Ms. Tech and I created this great community with Cheeky and you know, the scale of what she's done as far as like events and masterminds, neither one of us had really ever produced a conference at this scale. I mean, I produced events when she asked me to be her partner. I was like, Oh my God, I produced a million events at Cheeky. Like I can totally easily help you do this. (laughs) I didn't realize, well, one to produce a conference is like, insanely next level and two i yeah i did produce events every month when that was my full-time job but like yeah. <laughs> when i'm running an agency like we just we were we had a really challenging first year where we were just basically the two of us planning this massive massive under undertaking and the the, the moral of the story is that it, it 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 blossomed and it turned into something that was so so much bigger than us and so so special and so like I wish I could have bottled it and like the feeling that that weekend contained for these women, because talk about service. Like I've never felt more in service of of anything in my life than that weekend. I think what made it so special is the fact that we talked about fear and we talked about this very personal, vulnerable topic and how it relates to business, but it's, it's women, right? It's, we're all interconnected. It's all interconnected. And so we were able to really create a space where women opened up about things that were so personal out loud. I mean, at one point, I remember I was sitting inside of a workshop. I don't know who, I remember whose it was. There were about 40, 40 people in this workshop. And this girl raised her hand. I'd never seen her before. And she raised her hand and she said, so I suffer from anxiety disorder and I struggle a lot leaving my house. And what advice would you have for me to, to like, what words would you suggest I use to coach myself to leave my house? And I like, I'm sitting in this freaking workshop. I'm like, did, did that just happen? Like, did we create a space where a girl who has anxiety disorder felt comfortable enough saying that in a room full of 40 strangers? Mm-hmm. That, that was, that was the power of that weekend. You know, I had women come up to me at the end of it saying like, I now know I've, I got this. Like I can do what I want to do. Or, I, you know, women came up to me like, I cried this weekend for the first time in three years. Like that was the kind of stuff that we facilitated. And so it's three days just to get back. It's keynote speakers, panels, breakouts, workshops, parties, um, fear experiments, quote unquote. It's a fully immersive physical, emotional, mental, you know, professional and personal weekend um, summit that's with 350 women come and we hope to have even more next year and we're we're planning it as we speak probably early early summer this time like like june is what we're looking to do so so yeah that's that to me is it was one of the best things i've ever done you know and again it was not about me at all like it wasn't (laughs) about me or nicole it was about all of you guys so. It was truly an embodiment of service to others that entire is weekend. It, is it always in Chicago as well? Well, yes. And it was our inaugural year in 2017. We're going to do it again in Chicago in 2018. But our vision is to take them around the country and around the world and, and you know, ultimately eventually do Fear Paradox masterminds where they're, you know, more intimate, you know, pop-up events. We are going to try and do pop-up events throughout the year in Chicago to create, like, the con- continued continuity of the community mm-hmm. but yes to answer your question we we will most likely be looking to expand it out of chicago eventually so last question before i toss it back to caitlin tell us something that's true that nobody agrees with you on 
That's so tough. Something that's true that no one agrees with me on. I think that, um, I don't know if no one agrees with me on this, but I don't think that, I think maybe a lot of people wouldn't agree with me on this, but um, I'm 36 and I still think it's totally appropriate to wear disco pants and high top gym shoes and go to dance clubs at, you know, random like Pilsen and dance till three in the morning to indie pop music. Like I'll never <laughs> stop doing that um, <laughs> ever. So um, maybe my like parents would disagree with me. My husband's probably like, you're a little too old for that. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I just don't, I think that um, you're just age is such a frame of mind and uh, you know, it's, it, it's insignificant. And yeah, I just, I think that the more uh, youthful you feel and the more like fun you have in your life, the, the, like the younger, I guess you'll stay. And it's more of like your responsibility to yourself to always maintain that, that. that. Yeah. That's so true. So where can we find you on social, on your website? So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm simply be Jessica. Um, I'm simply Jessica Zweig on Facebook. I'm, I'm of an open Facebook page. Just Google me or search me. Um, simplybeagency.com is my business site. I'm on LinkedIn and all that jazz too, but those are my main, my main boys. Love it. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Really appreciate it. You guys are so welcome. (laughs) So fun. So I love talking to like-minded women who, who speak this language. It's just like my favorite thing ever. And we should all do it all the time. I agree. The fact that Fear Paradox will be in June of next year, I'm going to have to treat myself to go out of town and come to Chicago <laughs> because I That need sounds to like an amazing plan. You do. You really do. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get Danny to speak again and do a workshop. And that's how I connected with you. She was amazing. You were amazing, Danny. Like, You're I so mean, sweet. It's true. I mean, I, I do marketing for a living and I was like, holy shit, I learned some things. I didn't know. Like, I love it. I love <laughs> I love the way that you you presented and the way you framed it. It was just so good. It was really inspiring. Well, thank you. You're welcome.